Hey guys, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jayla. We would like to welcome you to the Sustaining Life podcast. A lot of people have questions about the situations they face and the struggles that come with them. There are those who think the Bible does not provide modern day solutions to our crazy lives. There are those who think the Bible isn't relevant to this day and age. Anxiety, depression, hurt, bitterness, and suffering. The Bible really does have answers and hope for all of these things. Let's Let's dive in. in. Hey guys, welcome back to Sustaining Life Podcast. We have some exciting guests today. Tony and Brian, uh, they are the hosts of the Crucial Conversation Podcast. And I'm going to give them a few minutes just to talk about themselves, their podcast, and uh, kind of how they're doing. So uh, Tony and Brian, whichever one want to start, you can go ahead. Well, thanks for having us on, bro. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for a little while. I'm glad that we could all collaborate at a time where we could all sit down and talk. Uh, something we've been looking forward to, but <clears throat> we were talking a little bit off the air about kind of uh, what you do and why you do. And it's a lot of the same reasons why me and Brian started our podcast. You know, we were just, uh, we were kind of sick and tired of the same uh, mundane, how to grow your church, how to um, uh, be better in ministry. And, you know, there's just a time and a place where everybody kind of doesn't need to hear that anymore. Uh, right. They need to get a little bit better of a, of a self growth and uh, a better understanding of what they can do to uh, build a better relationship with not only God, but their families and their, through their struggles. And uh, me and Brian was like, Hey, let's, let's do this. There's nothing out there like that. And uh, you know, what is this now, Brian, two years that we've been doing this thing and uh, just, it feels, feels good to do it. Yeah, two years this uh, Sunday was when we released the first episode this last Sunday yesterday. Absolutely. And we uh, we we talk about every subject you can think of. Uh, we like to talk about those things that does, don't get talked about. Uh, we've had everything from uh, battling depression and suicide to uh, homosexuality to drug use to uh, abortions. We've had everything on our podcast, Brian. What's What's some of those things that I'm missing? School shooting survivor. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah, we've uh, we've just had some awesome guests on our podcast. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm thinking about it. There's just been so much that I, I really, I mean, that pretty well covers just off the top of my head. We have everybody on our podcast from just the uh, the saint that sits in the back of the church that has a story that nobody ever hears. Uh, to some of the most premier speakers that the UPC's had and apostolic movements had. Uh, talked to people from WPF, ALJC, UPC. Um, and then, like I said, just from small town, backwood churches, people that just have a story. And uh, it's it's been encouraging hearing people from all the different walks of life just um, share the realness of the things that they've dealt with and how they've overcome and what God's done in their life and um, there've been tears shed in the podcast. There's been laughter. Um, there's been just about every emotion and, uh, and it, it's just, it has been a blast. It's been very fun. That's awesome. You, you, you do owe it to yourself. Uh, if you're an apostolic man to go listen to your pastor, we just had your pastor on. Yeah. Uh, not too yeah. long ago, you owe it to yourself. If you're an apostolic man to go listen to brother Mark Brown's episode, um, Brian, that was probably one of the most impactful, um, podcasts we've had, 
uh, in quite some time, actually. You know, we we talk about explicit things in detail and how you can overcome. And, uh, you know, we've had we've had great success with that where people's messaged us saying, how can I how can I get something started in my church? Because I, t- I was talking to my pastor today, Brendan, and uh, I-, I was telling him, I said, you know, I, I can't be the only man in a church of our size that hurt and that struggle. I can't be the only guy, you know, and I think it's time that uh, uh, we as the next generation coming through the church, thank God for the generation before us, but they didn't face the things that we're facing right now. And it's time that we step up and talk about them. Absolutely. Well, I think something that's so beautiful with kind of the things you touched on, you know, is something that's underrated and, un- and underspoken about, you know, we, it's, it's very common that we hear people's testimonies of when they come to God, right. Where they, they came out of the world, all these terrible things that they experienced, which is good. Like, I'm really thankful to hear those testimonies. Um, but I think something that's underspoken is hearing those testimonies about the struggles that we have when we are living for God. You know, what do we do when we're living for God for 10 years and we have this struggle and we, we get so taboo about it. You know, we don't talk about it in the church. We don't think anybody's going to want to listen or hear. We don't want to worry about that perception that says, what will they think of me? I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be perfect. You know, and I think it's so, such a powerful thing to have somebody's tool and life experience to say they struggled in this in this area. For example, they're living for God for 10 years. We have a lot of people, I think, in the church that struggle with those things, everyday things. And they don't have a lot of those stories. They don't have a lot of those testimonies that a successful man or a woman of God, they struggled. And this is how they persevered through that. Those tools for that everyday walk. Absolutely. So, Brian, our listeners will probably are probably sick and tired of us telling this story. But it's the story of how Brian and I got started. Sure. So I. Me and Brian, is we've been good, good friends for as long as I've lived in Arkansas. About the first couple of months that I met him, I didn't care for him. But, hey, he's a cool guy now. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I thought you know, even less we, of you. <laughs> we actually well, was talking to each other. And uh, we've always wanted to start a podcast. And we didn't know what we wanted to do. But we knew we wanted to start something. And I was actually... Uh, I born and raised in church. You were talking about the 10 year thing coming out of the darkness into the, into the light and all this stuff. Well, bro, I was, I was born and raised United Pentecostal church. My dad was the pastor. Um, you know, church was always everything first. Mm-hmm. And I went through this depression that, you know, it's, it's almost comical to hear people talk about depression whenever you don't deal with it. You know, right. um, it's, it's like, well, just get over it. You know, and I talked to my spiritual mentors and they were all saying, pray about it, fast about it. Dude, I was praying about it and I didn't hear nothing. I didn't feel like God cared. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I, I didn't, I, I just didn't, you know, and maybe some would call me a backslider or whatever. Well, I don't care what you say, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's just how I was. And uh, I, I was in a car a lot and I was like, well, I'm going to find a podcast. that has got apostolic doctrine. Because uh, I don't want just anybody speaking into my life, and that's that's a key thing. You definitely need to be careful on who you allow speak into your life. But I was I was looking for this podcast with apostolic doctrine that I could hear people's testimonies, how they overcome their trials and tribulations, and there was nothing there other than like I spoke about earlier was how to grow your church, how to be in ministry, and all this. I didn't need right. all that stuff. 
I needed to know how I could get out of the one of the darkest times of my life. And I felt like, um, you know, I just felt lonely. I felt broken. I felt like I shouldn't be dealing with this. And I was, and, you know, I told Brian, I said, look, man, there ain't nothing like this out there. Let's start something. And so Brian said, let's do it tonight. I'm going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to buy a microphone. Brian, our first episodes were horrible. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> uh, we, but we did it. And, you know, we started connecting with these people and we started getting these people. And like Brian said, that person that sits on the back row that you don't say hello to that has a story. We got those people on the podcast talking about how they watched their child drown. They yeah. wa- they 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 overcame a life of drugs that they had to turn to to try to drown out their childhood. You know, we listened to all those stories and it was through that that, you know, it was broken in my spirit. And uh, that's kind of what we did, um, you know, and there's been trials through throughout the, the podcast. You know, I, I went through another dark time in my life losing my dad to COVID. I, I, I mean, my spiritual mentor, my dad, my pastor, my father, the whole nine yards. I, I lost that voice in my life. And I'm thinking, God, what are you doing to me? And, you know, but it's, it's through his, through his grace and through these other people's testimonies and stories that I was able to uh, get through this. And I think that uh, brothers and sisters, we need to talk about these things. I mean, I, I didn't know Raymond Woodward from nobody. We had him on my po- on our po- podcast. Brian was unable to be with us. Um, he was away doing something, and uh, Raymond Woodward ministered to me. He doesn't know, didn't know me, didn't know me from anything. I just reached out to him, and he said, "Oh, I'd absolutely love to come on the podcast." Well, he would. He had listened to some of our prior episodes just so he, you know, kind of get the feel of the podcast. And before we even turned the recording on, bro, we were on on Zoom for an hour, probably an hour and 40 minutes. He was just ministering to me, learning the death of my father because he had just went through that himself. And it's because of those apostolic voices now that we're talking about it. I Mm -hmm. mean, you don't you don't have to just, you know, sit in the backseat and think that, oh, if I say anything, People are going to think I'm a backslider. You know, that's the number one mistake that we make is caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. I could care less what other people think. I don't care. I used to care a lot. Now, I mean, it's almost comical to me if some if like haters, you know, try to throw shade. I mean, I guess I welcome it now. It don't bother me. Does it you, Brian? Yeah, <laughs> uh, not really. But I mean, that's I don't mean to be a mic hog here. I'm just I'm saying, you know, thank God for for uh, these podcasts now, not just ours, not just yours, but there's others out there. Thank God that we are having some wit to talk about it now. Absolutely. What's so true is like, you know, it's it's so cliche, you know, when people are going through something and I'm not discounting it or undervaluing it because it's biblical you said it, it says when you were going through those times, people said, get over it. And they said, pray about it. And those are good things. We need those things, but sometimes there are other practical things we need to do to kind of focus and work through some things. Sometimes we, like you said, we got to talk about it. Sometimes we got to work through all these different emotions that we're going through. I know um, when I was you know, younger, I went through a lot of family issues. Uh, my dad left, 
uh, you know, my mom went through some really hard things and she was a single mother of four kids uh, and three of them boys. You know, we were not easy kids to deal with. Went through school problems and I had so much, so much anger, so much hurt and brokenness. I had no idea what to do with it. And it was a hard thing going to people in my life and they would just tell me, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. But there's something about working through what you're experiencing. Like if you, if you can't pull it out of your heart and verbalize it, like how can you pray about it if you don't even know what you're feeling? If you don't know why you're experiencing it, how do you address it? You know what I mean? And it's, it's something where I, I, I my question that I want to, I want to kind of propose is, you know, you talked about people with apostolic voices that ministered to you and they talk about their situations. How do we connect the two? How do we connect the generations before us to generations now and work through the ministry and work through their testimonies and their stories in a way that can be beneficial and edifying to the church to lift them up rather than, you know, allow that condemnation and guilt when we're individually dealing with those problems. Uh, one of my friends, my dear friends, uh, you may know him, Stan Cook. He sang with the Magruders. He's a well-known evangelist. Well, he put on Facebook um, about a year ago about another apostolic pioneer that had passed away. And it just, it rubbed me the wrong way because it was right after, um, well, I guess it was about six months ago because right after my dad passed away sure. and, and, you know, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I, 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 everybody was on there saying, oh, I'm sorry for the loss, blah, blah, blah. Well, I wrote on there, I said, we are losing too many apostolic voices without asking enough questions. Yeah. And yeah. he, he, he didn't respond on that uh, thread, but he mes- or text messaged me and said, what, what do you mean by that? And I said, we are losing these apostolic voices and we're so consumed with um, the lights and the fog and the media and uh, the cool presentations and the cool graphics at our churches that we're not asking the pioneers the questions. How did you pave the way? Yeah. And we're, we're missing we're missing the mindset that they had whenever they were, um, you know, pioneering through those difficult times through the brush arbors and through um you know all the different phases in the 60s and 70s and 80s you know we, we're not asking enough questions because we're more consumed about how we look than how we are but right. <clears throat> to connect the two for me is I, I i make it a point in my life there's three men in my life i make it a point to talk to each one of those three men at least an hour a week I don't care if it's through text message. I don't care if it's five minutes today, 17 minutes Thursday, 22 minutes on Friday. I make it a point to be ministered to. And these men that I'm talking to is not my validation men. The world is full of, oh, you can do it. You can be anything you want. That sounds good. Do what you want to do. The world's full of them. If you need any of those, just go listen to a Joel Osteen message. But if you need somebody that's going to speak into your life and you're going to have uh, kind of guide you through the, the tough times, you need to find those men in your life that aren't just there to validate. They're there to, you know, help you get through these things. But that's how it is for me, Brian. You might, you might want to have something to add to that. I think that that's, that's great. And I think that that is key. Uh, to, the only way to bridge the two is there has to be conversation. And so you have to be able to connect, build a relationship, build a relationship of trust. And the only way you can build a relationship of trust 
is not only asking the questions, but here's the other key is you got to hear the answer. Yeah. And because too often we'll come in because we're the young generation. We already know everything anyway. We're just looking for, as Tony said, validation. And yeah. so it's not enough just to hear, but you have to actually receive it and not just ask, but to actually hear it and to fully receive it. Because there's a big difference between hearing something and listening to something. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that, uh, that it's important that we ask the right questions, that we ask the questions, and we have to listen. And when you listen and when you follow through, that's what builds that relationship of trust, that they're, they're not just consuming time. They're actually looking to grow and they're actually following the advice. I think that's what would be key. So how do we take what was in that generation and how do we infuse it into our generation? We ask the right questions and we hear them and we receive it. Mm, that's 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 so good. I mean, uh, you know, so many times in my life I, I go to these people, you know, I talked to him. I already said this. I talked to my pastor today and he said, how are you doing? And, you know, he yeah. said, I, I don't want to I don't want the the mundane answer. I want to know how you actually are doing and, you know, how you've been since your father's past and all this stuff. And I told him, I said and I, I said this on our Raymond Woodward podcast. I said, I just after my dad had passed away, I tried to to fill the void that he left in my life with any and every voice that would pass by and say, Hey, everything's going to be okay. Hey, everything's going to be all right. I wanted to hear that. I wanted to, I I, I didn't want to hear, um, Hey, is there anything I can, I I wanted to hear I was going to be okay. But what I needed to hear is, Hey, there's going to be some dark times. There's going to be some, uh, times where you question God, you could be depressed. You can do this, you know, and I didn't want to hear that, but that's what I needed to hear. And so what Brian is saying is, you know, you got to listen, uh, not only listen or hear it, but, but apply it. You know, that's, that's so key. That is so key, Brian. Absolutely. When something is so powerful about, you know, positioning yourself in a way where you can be most effective, you know, not just to, you know, what you're responsible for, but those around you that you are touching, maybe not even in a profound way, but you're connected to in some way, you know, what are some ways that we can, we can pour into the person we're connected to next, next door or pour into the person that we're sitting to next to at church, you know, it's something powerful about positioning ourselves to, like you said, being a place where we can receive and then pour out that, that blessing that we just received from somebody else. I think of, you know, Moses and Joshua, for example, uh, Joshua positioned himself where he would lead, he would listen to Moses and by Moses pouring into him, the Bible says that Joshua, the people hearkened to Joshua, even before he was, he was that head, even before he was that person in, in a position, Joshua positioned himself so he would learn and he would listen. He would follow Moses. There's something so profound about that. I, um, I can think back to when I was a kid and, um, for years, like my uncle, he's a pastor in South Dakota and, uh, Whenever we were at some sort of event, like church event or ministers conference, camp or whatever it would be, I would be this, you know, this little kid that wouldn't really like to listen to people. Uh, but every time when he was there, he would be around his, his friends, his minister friends, his pastor friends, and they were sitting there at a table eating lunch or something. And uh, he would say, hey, Brendan, come here. I want, you to, I want you to meet some people. And he would just sit me down at the table. And then they would just talk about church stuff. They would talk to me about, talk about minister things and church things. And I would just sit there and listen. I would listen to every single possible thing I could listen to. 
And I don't even know if he realizes just how much of an impact the opportunity to be able to listen to that advice and those suggestions. And they weren't even talking to me. They were just talking about church and life and people and relationships and how it, it was beneficial to me because I listened to something when I was age seven or eight or nine, and it came to life when I was 15. It came to life when I was 20 and 25. Um, it's like prayers. Like prayers never die. If we can learn to apply those things and just listen, those pieces of advice, those, those teachings of a minister, they can bless us years later without us even realizing it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, some of the um, messages that I heard uh, growing up still have impact in my life today. Um, yeah. You know, me and Brian not too long ago was talking about our favorite sermon that we had growing up or whatever. And I was telling him mine and how impactful it still is today. You know, that was, you know, 15 years ago now, but it's still relevant today. And, you know, and that's the thing we can't even sitting down in those, in those times of where you were just sitting down and being ministered to, and you didn't realize it. And you still have value I'm happy speaking to a younger person here. You still have value in your voice. Ask the questions while you have the opportunity. Right. I mean, some of the stuff I, I I'm right there with you, man. Whenever I was uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, my dad would just drag me to these district board meetings and yeah. uh, camp meetings and conferences. And I didn't want to go. But now that I look back now at this point in my life, not only am I thankful for the time I got to spend in, with my father, but I'm thankful for the time that he took me to the church, that he taught me the importance of everything, that he taught me the importance of understanding the church and the reasoning of the church. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that is from a young man's standpoint, I'm very thankful that he did that to me, even though, like you said, I, I, I was unruly. I didn't want to hear it. I would, Nine times out of 10, I'd go hoping there'd be a girl there or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, it's just, it's so important, um, you know, just to be able to learn how to build on the foundation that's been built. You know, um, that's something I, I've noticed too in churches where I've seen times where it's, I've seen the negative to where when somebody's trying to rise up, there's resentment from another generation for one reason or another. Maybe they don't think they're doing as much as the older generation had to do. Maybe they think that they're just zealous and trying to jump before they've learned certain things. You know, it's, it's so important to find that, find that union, that unity that says we're going to find some way to work together to get ourselves in a position to where we can advance the church, we can advance the kingdom, not just this church, not just my ministry or my kingdom, yada, yada, yada. But how do, how do we benefit everyone around us? How do we benefit the community and the district and the church as a whole? Um, is, is just making sure that we find a place of understanding between the generations that says, here's how we're going to move forward and build off of what was built. How do we right. build off of what was already built? Like, how do we find a place of agreement between the generations before us and even after us? What are some ways, some practical ways we can say, how can we build off this foundation? How can we look at this and say, how can we improve it without tearing down what was built, without tearing down the labor, without devaluing all the different things that were done before, even if it maybe is a different approach than we have to take now? Brian, I think you should tackle this one because you preached a sermon about a year ago about, <clears throat> thank God, how far we've come from the brush arbor days. Hmm. Go ahead and tackle this one. 
I would think that almost to me, a better analogy than just the idea of building on foundations is almost more like a relay race. Sure. When you're about yeah. to be past the baton, why would you want to take the baton and go back to the starting point when you're that much closer to the finish line already? Yeah. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, there have been things that have been handed to us. Why would we want to go back on them? Why would we want to start all the way over and do something totally fresh? Here's a thing that just popped in my mind. I heard a sermon from Paul Mooney a few years ago. Um, he talked about people that launch out and they do things their own way. And they and what, he's, what he said in the message was, why would you exchange everything you know about the light for everything you don't know about darkness? Right. Now, he was doing it in an idea of people letting down standards, giving up holiness, giving up separation. That's the context he was using it in. But if I could take it to this analogy, why would we want to redo everything we've ever known about doing church? Why would we throw out everything that we were ever handed? Why would we exchange everything we know that works for everything we don't know about what doesn't work? Right. And, and that isn't to say that methods don't change. And that's not to say that there are things that we can improve on and there are some things that we can actually do better in. That's not to say that. What it is to say is why would we not learn from everything that's happened? Because to tie into some of the things we were talking about before about talking to people, you can learn good things even from bad people. Absolutely. And that sometimes blows our mind. But some of the most important spiritual principles that I know, I learned from pastors that were forced to resign their churches for myriads of reasons, whether it be adultery or other things. Our organization has been positively affected by people that have done bad things. Yeah. Even in a bad situation, there are things you can learn from. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul talks about in Corinthians how... When someone prophesies, you hear the message and you hold to what is good. He said, you don't hold to everything. You hold to what is good. And so even if things that you learned came from bad people, what you can see is what you would perceive as bad people, doesn't mean you can't learn good things even from bad people. So all of the past may not have been perfect. All of the past may not have had it 100% every time but there's something you can learn in, out of from all of that and so all do we throw everything away to try and do things our own way in our own new way when we don't know what the result will be absolutely yeah there was a message that was preached just recently actually here in watertown uh sunday it's by marcus baptiste and uh he preached he preached i think the title of it was what to do with esau and the, the point of the message he was saying was he was talking about Jacob and Esau, Jacob being the anointed and blessed, blessed son, blessed brother. But he said he was talking about the he was making an analogy between our flesh and our spirit. He says, you know, uh, without the Esau, it would we would never have been provoked in a way to bring us to a spiritual level that we are at now. We would never have been provoked and challenged and, and broken to be in a place of worship and prayer that we can access now. And it just goes goes to the point that you're talking about uh, you got to learn from every situation you're in the good the bad the ugly my one of my former pastors he says that never waste a tragedy 
never waste a situation where there's brokenness and not learn something from it, not learn the depth and the broadening of what God can do in the heart from a horrible situation. Like we can look all over in scripture, all sorts of tragedies from the Bible, and we can learn from them now. It's like David and Bathsheba, uh, a child died, a nation was, was damaged, people were killed, Bathsheba's husband was killed because of his bad decisions. But there's, we can learn about balance, and we can learn about boundaries, we can learn about putting standards in our life, so we don't have to fall at every single opportunity to fall. We don't have to learn, fall at every single opportunity to have temptation. We can see the temptation, but if we put that standard that says, I'm going to put something there to protect me from that thing getting at my heart, I can do that. And um, it's something that I think um, is, is so, it's so crucial. It's so crucial. Uh, so we're, we're all talking about sermons uh, here. One of my favorite sermons um, that is completely underrated was Merle Cornwell was talking about uh, whenever he went to his church and he was wanting to build a church that there was some saints and the church that was happy in their ways. They don't take my parking spot. Don't take my seat kind of situation. And so what he decided to do was build a church in spite of them. Mm -hmm. And so he built a church around the ones that were comfortable, almost like, like walls built around, um, you know, just something, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, he took the, the opportunity to, I have um, people that don't see how I see it. Uh, I know I'm called by God. So in spite of my factors and despite of the naysayers, I'm going to do God's will anyway. And that's, that's the purpose that we need to have in our life is Yes, there's going to be those those trying times. Yes, there's going to be those things that you question and you're going to understand, not going to understand what in the world God's thinking. But if we trust the process, I hate that saying, trust the process, but it's so true. If we trust that process, then we can understand that there is a purpose and there is a reason for these things. And, you know, I wish I wish I had a dollar for every time I would I wondered, you know, is God even hearing me does what is he doing you know I, i'm not too proud to say i, I mean people might turn tune us out after this or i don't know what they'll think but <clears throat> there's been times where i've questioned is god real sure. if god was real he would not be putting me through this uh and sadly enough this was um uh, a year ago half six months ago and yeah. I felt that way. And I mean, and if, if, if you don't, if you don't struggle, man, please contact us and let me know how you get through yeah. your spiritual life without struggling, because we're all going to struggle. But just like brother Cornwell says, in spite of those situations, do God's calling. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the process can be so brutal too. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> they can be so difficult and so painful and they make no sense to us. They really don't. But the Bible says that his ways are higher. His wisdom is better than anything we would ever have. Uh, how he decides to put us through life and allow situations to hit us where we may never even understand why we had to deal with those situations. We may never, sure. but it builds something in us that's so much greater and so much more powerful but I think it's absolutely essential. Like when we're going through the situations, connect with somebody, 
you know, connect with somebody that's younger, connect with somebody that's older, because you might be able to speak into their life just by how you live your life through that trial. And they may be able to give you insight and truth and blessings that can help you through that. But if we're not connecting with people, we're not be, we're not showing each other our wounds. We're not showing each other our scars. And if we can't show each other our scars and our wounds and our hurts, how can we ever see the healing process? How can we ever see the, the things that can say, this is how I got through my situation. This is how I got through my trial. It's like Ephesians. Uh, the Ephesians says something to the extent of, um, you know, don't faint at the tribulations that I have set before you, for they shall be your glory. Those, those trials that you go through, that's when God's going to show up and do something that we cannot do on our own. But it can be used as a testimony to say, God is really here. God is really real, and he really loves his people. But how else can he get glory except for his people go through trials that he has to take them out of. It's how uh, Rahab in the Bible, where uh, she learned about the Israelites, she heard about all the Israelites bondage and all the trials they went through. And then how God freed them from the Egyptians is it wasn't until their trials hit that they could see how glory, how God's glory could actually move in the situation. So Brian and I are both kind of, we're both kind of uh, heartless at times. Yes. Savage is the word that comes up a lot. But one of my um, absolute favorite uh, lines in any sermons is, is by T.D. Jakes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, you know, if I come to you, if I have the courage to come, I see Brian's face. He knows exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> he says, if I come to you with these issues, don't come at me like your life is perfect for two reasons. Number one, it doesn't encourage me. It intimidates me. And yeah. the second thing is, I don't believe you anyway. Right. right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, that's my whole mindset of uh, the whole uh, talking about it thing and show me how you got through your trials is it's not going to encourage anybody to act like you're perfect. You could be dealing with something that you've just overcome and you, you yeah. may be the pioneer on how to, how to fix uh, a pornography in a marriage. You might be the pioneer on the first person ever to figure out how to do it. And if you act like everything's perfect in your life and you've never struggled, you're killing the one that is struggling with it and is begging for answers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for your pastor coming on our podcast and talking, we may have not reached a life that may have listened to that podcast. It's but because true. of the transparency that people have and wanting to talk about this, you're not encouraging anybody by showing how perfect your life is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, pride is, it's just, it's, it's a testimony killer is what it is. Absolutely. Well, it's so funny because, uh, you know, the scripture is, is so quoted all the time. It talk, the scripture about God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask for, think, and all those things. It's true. We can but people don't think about the fact that just a few verses earlier, that same verse that talks about don't faint at the tribulations that I have set before you, for they shall be your glory. That comes right after that verse. God's really not saying you're going to be great. You're going to be glorified. You're going to be awesome. He's really saying, I'm going to break you so I can use you. I'm going to let your life be messed up and be so broken. And then I can use you because I can't use you until you're broken. I can't use you until, until, you put, until you're in a place where you are so hopeless, where a God, a Savior, does have to enter in and do something about it. Otherwise, you're lost. For sure. Uh, that's that's the, my whole outlook on life is uh, I was 
I was talking to my pastor at the time. I was probably 17, 18 years old. Anybody that knows me and my wife can testify to this is I have no patience. Sure. Um, I, I have when I when I want something, I want it now. I don't like to wait. Uh, like she hates it when it's time to go car shopping because I'll pull onto a lot and she'll say, I like that. I'll say, okay, well, let's go buy it then. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the inside. I haven't smelt what all the inside. I don't know what color the interior is. I wonder if it comes in white, how long would it come take to come in white? You know, all these different scenarios. And I'm like, if you like the car, buy the car, you know, and she just, that's just my mentality on 90% of things in my life. And yeah. I went to my pastor one time and I was like, I'm just struggling because I know that God's called me, but I don't know what, and I'm ready for, for the answers and all this stuff. And he's like, you need to pray for patience. And I said, I don't want to pray for patience because oh. then God tries that patience. You know, he, he builds that character and he, he takes, takes your weakest element and he works on that and builds that. So when you're saying that he can't use you until you're stripped down bare to where, you know, you're, you're working on those issues for yourself. I mean, that's a painful process, but we all have to go through that. I mean, it, it's an overused cliche. Uh, the world doesn't need a hundred Mark Morgans and hundred Anthony Mangans. He, yeah. He's called one Mark, Man Mark Morgan, one Anthony Mangan. You be yourself. I mean, we just got to trust God's knowing what he's doing in our lives. Absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of the things we struggle with and that we battle with, um, to me, I think we could answer a lot of our problems on minimizing anything. If we would actually just really believe what the Bible says. Yep. Um, little context on what I mean. I think of myself almost like an amateur theologian. And when I say amateur, I mean very amateur. And uh, my theology isn't super, super deep, but I try to think biblically about just about everything yeah. and, and trust what it actually says. So this is going to be a nerdy analogy getting to a point. Um, God is the greatest chess player that's ever existed. Yeah. Not because, like a Calvinist would say, that God superintends all actions and events and there is no true libertarian free will in individuals lives it's not that god's the greatest chess player because he controls the white and the black pieces god is the greatest chess player because regardless of what his opponent moves he already knows how to counteract it there's a verse that says that all things work together for good to those that love god and are called according to his purpose. That means that it doesn't matter what happens in our life, all things work together for good because God is the greatest chess player ever. It doesn't matter what the pieces on the other end of the board move, it always works together for your good. Not just what things happen, but what the devil tries to do in our lives. All yeah. things work together for good. The things that we do stupidly, you know, we think we thwart God's plan because we have a boneheaded day. All things work together for good. I have an issue within us apostolics. I'll talk about us because I don't know how other churches do. Sure. I think that we have a problem in that we believe in speaking in tongues, but we don't believe that God really loves us. 
and we don't believe that God really has grace. And when you have a bad day, you're just constantly doomed. You're always being dangled over hell because we don't really trust God's love. We don't really trust God's plan. And so I know for me, where I struggle so often is I struggle seeking for validation of things that God has already validated. Yep. So what I mean by that is, God, did you really call me? I need validation. I struggle with that daily. I beat my brain against the window in the car going down the highway being like, God, I'm tormenting myself because I'm wondering, do you really love me? Did you really speak to me? And yet God has already spoken. And there's so many things that within his word, he tells us, but we don't believe that because our present circumstance makes us feel a certain way because I think we're too caught up in feeling and not so caught up in truth because what the Bible says is what's true. Your feeling is just an illusion. It's just a facade. You may truly feel that, but it doesn't mean that it's truth. Just because you feel like God has forsaken you, it doesn't mean he's forsaken you because the Bible says that he will never forsake us. So what is feels like truth isn't always true. What God has said, what God has spoken, that is what is truth. Yeah. My emotion is very fallible. And my emotion can be wrong and often is. And so I wish that we could have a revival amongst us of truly believing the word of God and truly believing what God has spoken and truly believing it and receiving it. That's what I wish we had. I think that would take care of a lot of struggle. Mm -hmm. If we really believed in God's grace and love and his word, a lot of our issues would be solved if we could just but believe, if we could just but receive. But I feel so different about it. I know what the word of God says, but I feel, and I just want to cut people off when they say that. And yeah, so that what right. you say is immaterial. What you say, yet that's a feeling you have today. You can have a different feeling tomorrow, but God's word never changes. What God has spoken reigns true. All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Does it matter what's going on? Doesn't matter who does what? Doesn't matter who says what? All things work together for the good. How do you receive the good? Two ways. You love God and you are called according to his purpose. That, if you have those two things, if you love God and are called according to his purpose, all things will work together for your good. Absolutely. I have so much to say about that because it's so true and so many people really need to hear that. Um, I'll tell you what, you'll even notice it in churches. That is honestly one of those messages that people have such a hard time receiving. It's so easy to get people amped up and get people to the altar and get excited when you talk about, you know, you're going to be used, you're called, you're mighty, all these different things or, or reaching souls or, you know, whatever you want to put. But you'll see that, you know, when people are preaching about God's love, it's rare to find a sovereign move of God where people just fall out and they're just, they're, they're just speaking in tongues and travailing and really receiving God's love, God's grace. It's, you, you, it, people are shocked by it, but that's one of the hardest things to preach because of what you just said is people cannot grasp it. People cannot understand it. People can't accept it. And it's so funny because I was talking to somebody just the other day 
and we were talking about spiritual gifts and um, you know, so many people have the mindset that if we're using a spiritual gift, that means that we're holy or special or all these different things We're we're so much further ahead or spiritually mature. Well, it says in Acts chapter three, that uh, there's, there's a healing of a man um, and people were shocked. They were, they were just so amazed at what happened. Look at these amazing guys who did this. Look at their, their spiritual walk. And the disciples, they responded with, how are you marveling at this? Why are you marveling at this? Because this is not done because of our power. It's not done even because of our holiness, it says. It's not done out of our power or holiness. So that means that it's not something that we can earn. It's not something that based on our actions, that determines what God is going to do. God already has his plan and he has his, what he's already going to do because his, like you said, the word said it. He's doing in these spiritual gifts are being activated in the church because he wants his church to be healthy. He wants to edify and bless the church. It's his grace and it's his mercy that's doing it. And if we can get the mindset that God's doing it because he's good and merciful and his grace is there instead of, I get this because I'm good. We can kind of hopefully kind of start to remove the mindset that says I did this bad thing. So I'm immediately going to hell. For sure. So there's real quick, Tony, I want to be very careful because very often when you hear the word called, a lot of people check out mentally because they think you're talking to the preachers. Yeah. You're talking to people that are active in ministry. I want to be very careful to point this out. Because I, I had pointed out in that verse, the two things you need is to love God and to be called according to his purpose. And people will mentally check out and say, well, that's not me because I'm not called. Yeah. I want to be very careful here. I want to think about what that says. Called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose? The son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Salvation is God's purpose. How are you called according to his purpose is the gospel call. Second Thessalonians 2 and 14 says he has called you to this salvation through our gospel. If you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and you can obey the gospel. You are the one called according to his purpose. If you are able to hear the gospel and respond, this verse is about you it's not about the preachers it's not just about those that are evangelists and pastors and sunday school teachers it's everybody that can hear the gospel and love god that is about you god will work all things for your good if you can love and hear the gospel absolutely and that's what i wanted to say is if brian you were just talking about if you struggle understanding how rich and real God's love for you is, you're not backslidden. You're not broken. It's, it's just, it's something you have to, to con- understand, you know, it's just, it's, it's an, it's a deeper than any ocean. It's higher than any, any atmosphere. It's, it's, it's unexplainable, unobtainable from any other way, you know, and, you know, there was, there was somebody that I, I talked to often, one of those three men, that I was talking to that was when I was thinking, listening to you, Brian, was there was this this guy that I talked to. He was talking about how um, he tries to find um, 
words or phrases or something he can apply to his life. It don't have to be from God. You can be driving down the road, see a billboard and be like, wow, that resonated in my spirit. And I said, God, let that do that for me. I, I want I want that to happen. Just recently, about a month ago, I was like, God, I want you to speak to me in ways that, you know, you've never done before. For me, I don't hear God's voice audibly. Um, I agree with somebody who was on our podcast before. If it did, it'd probably freak me out. Uh, but, you know, I, I look for um, God in a lot of different things. You know, it's it's whenever I, let me just give you a quick example before I go on, if you, if you don't mind, yeah, uh, yeah. how I hear God's voice is I get sad thinking about the loss of my father. And I'll be like, God, just let me know that you're here for me. You know, just let me know I can depend on you. Or, you know, those are just some of the simple prayers that I've had, you know, over the last six months. And then a yellow school bus will drive down through my neighborhood. That was my dad's retirement gig was driving a school bus. That's how I hear from God. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't have to hear God say, thus saith the Lord. I am God almighty sitting on the throne. I command thee to do that. I don't have to hear that. And if that's how you hear God, and that's the only way you can hear from God. Uh, first of all, I feel sorry for you. Second of all, you should open up your horizons because God's all around. If yeah. you feel like it has to be King James version spoken directly into your life. Um, I mean, you must you must have a hard time when you're not at church. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I question your relationship. But anyway, no, what I was saying is I was I was asking God to speak a word to me, something I could apply to my life. And the word that I kept hearing other people say that I don't have daily conversations with. And I, I mentioned the billboard as an example, because it happened to me. I looked up on a billboard and I saw this word. And then I began to, to research the word a little bit, a little bit, but the word was mercy. Yeah. And Brian, you briefly touched on it. And if you don't feel God's love in your life or you have a, a hard time understanding how rich and deep his love is, you should do some research on God's mercy and God's faithfulness. And then you can understand the deepness of how truly uh, crazy God's love is. That's the only word I can explain it. It's, it's crazy. You know, he, he doesn't, he, Brian, we used to joke all the time about this, but he doesn't have to, but he does, you know, out of all of, out of all of our failures and all of our attempts to um, like you said, Brian, uh, trust the darkness instead of the light. You know, all these different avenues that we decide to take as Christians, God doesn't have to love us through all those failures, but he chooses to. You know, there's there's just so many different analogies you can use. But, you know, I think this is what our podcast was for tonight, guys, was to talk to people about yeah. the love of Jesus. I mean, it's it's so it's so impactful, so rich. I mean, I, I can't even describe, you know, I, I love my, my daughter to death and <laughs> I hope my son never hears this podcast. My son was born this last week, six days old. And my biggest fear was I loved my daughter so much. My firstborn so much. I was scared to death to have my son because I thought it would be unfair to him how much I loved my daughter. Sure. I didn't know. I didn't know how I could. I, I actually talked to people about I'm scared to have this child because I'm afraid I will not love it like I love my daughter. 
I mean, because the love for my daughter is so deep. It's so, um, it's, it's just a connection me and her have. Uh, I've had you guys on mute a couple of times because she keeps coming in here to where I'm at talking to you guys <laughs> and she just wants a hug. I just want to hug you, daddy. Well, I mean, that's the stuff I'm talking about, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, when, I, when I saw my son and I held my son, all of those fears and all of those worries just went away. Why can we not be like that with God's love? Yeah. Why can we not just say he loves me in spite of the things or the other people or the, the, the trials or the tribulations I've went through. We just need to understand, you know, God loves us through those problems and through those failures. I don't, I don't mean to keep rambling on, but that's something I'm very passionate about right now is yeah. mercy, grace, and love. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's hard sometimes to describe what God's like yeah. when, you, when you really think about it because of how grandiose he is. I think one of the best ways to describe God is to show how God actually describes himself. There's yeah. a verse in Exodus 34 and six where the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. So this is what the Lord said. He said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. What, how God self-described himself, those first two things is that he is merciful and that he is gracious. And the thing that blows my mind so much when you think about it is that he is, because Tony kept saying over and over again, he is rich in mercy. That's a biblical phrase. He is rich in mercy. He's so rich in mercy that I receive mercy from him whenever I don't feel it. Yeah. Going back to what I said before about feelings aren't what's true. What's truth is I'm receiving God's grace and I receive God's mercy, whether I feel it or not. Because that's how rich he is in mercy and in grace. Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, you look in the, in the front of the Bible, you know, look in Genesis, you look in the back of the Bible, Revelation, and both stories, there's a lot of stories in them, obviously. But I think of two specific ones. The first one I think about is Adam and Eve. And, you know, what they did is like they sinned, they fell in the garden. But their action after they fell was the worst thing you can possibly do as a Christian was they became afraid of the presence of God. And I've seen that happen so many times when Christians fall and we fall and we mess up. We, get into the, we, 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 we shy away from the presence of God. And it feels like pain. It feels like it hurts in the presence of God when it shouldn't. That's condemnation. That's the devil saying you are horrible, you're worthless, and beat you over the head with the bat after you've fallen down. But just like you're saying, the Bible says, if you just get into the presence of God, probably that's probably the best honestly response or best thing you could probably give to somebody is just the mandate anytime that you're struggling with anything and when you're not struggling just get into the presence of god you can find some healing there you can find some strength you can find some joy you can find whatever you need just get in the presence of god i was um at a funeral for a, a minister actually one of my, my first pastor uh gary leg and uh you know he passed away and at the funeral, his, his wife and his son, uh, there were some songs playing and normal funeral, kind of, you know, sad, but also rejoicing of life. But there was they're playing the song. And one of the first things that his wife did at the funeral was she raised her hands and started praising God. Because she knew that if she just got in the presence of God, God would give her the things she needs, no matter how she felt, no matter what she went through, God's promises, who God is his ever-present help, his ever-present love, his all 
consuming love. It's there. And then I think about the revelation and I think about the end times, right? And there's a lot of, I feel like, misconceptions about what end times are all about. And I've, I've heard a lot of, when I was younger, I heard a lot of preaching about hell, fire, brimstone, all this fear mongering, essentially, about the end times. And we need to preach about those things. But at the same time, I've always had a bit of an issue with how that's preached. Because when I look at my Bible at the end times, I don't look at like this fear and this horrible things. I look at all the grace and mercy God showed by saying, here's what I'm going to give you as a sign to prepare you for what I have in store for you. All these things, all these signs that are happening, you should know these things. I love you so much. I'm going to prepare you for these things before they even occur. Like how much grace and mercy is that to show? Okay. That's, that's, that's like, that's like your boss calling you and saying, Hey, um, I'm going to give you a promotion. Don't come to work today. And this is, I'm giving you a free day off. When you come back to work, it's going to be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) How great is that? I mean, I I remember going through these end time Bible studies and scared to death. And I would always want to talk to my dad going home because we always at my, at my church, uh, growing up on in January, we did prayer and fasting month, like every apostolic church <laughs> movement does. And then in February, we did apostolic doctrine. And in March, we did uh, end time Bible studies. It was it was like that my whole life growing up. And eventually I started asking questions. And my dad told me, I'll never forget this. He said, this isn't to scare you. This is to prepare you. Yep. You know, I've, I've always tried to kind of live my life by that. And that's why I don't get involved in all the pre post mid all that. That's yeah. I just, I just want to be ready. Exactly. And that should, that should be our mindset is I just want to make heaven my home at all costs. And I mean, there's, there's no, just like Kenneth Carpenter preached, um, there's going to be no greater joy than to be able to make it to heaven and to see all your family and, and all your loved ones around you. I mean, that's, that is, that's hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's this, there was a sermon and, uh, they were making the analogy about, uh, you know, basically what are we willing to do for God? You know, what, what things can we sacrifice? And he was praying one time and, uh, he was talking to God and, and uh, God asked him, you know, would you be willing to die for me? And uh, the, the preacher says, you know, honestly, I was shaken that day. He says, I was, I was in so much fear and I felt so bad. And he said, no, no, God, I would not be willing to die for you today. Uh, and then God told him, he says, you know, that's okay. He says, and, and God brought him to the scripture where it says his mercies and, and grace are new every morning. And he was, he learned that day, he says, God's not going to kill me and crush me for my, for my failures or inadequacies today. He doesn't hate me for the things that I'm not good at today. He loves me for where I'm at. And he's, his love is going to bring me to the next level to where someday I'm going to be ready to die for him when that day comes, because that day God's going to give me that mercy and that grace for that day that he may not need as much mercy or grace for the day he's living right that right now. But God is always going to give that mercy and grace enough for whatever we go through, whatever we deal with. And as long as we just continue to focus on God and do our best and just try and stay close to him, he's not going to he's not going to kill us for our inadequacies today. For not being for good sure. enough. today. You, you were just talking about uh, mercies that you may not need as much for today. You know, one of my favorite analogies ever, uh, my grandma was telling me and I, I, I try to. 
I, I fail a lot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say, oh, I have a faithful prayer life every morning at seven. I wake up and me and God spend forty. I'm not gonna tell you all that. Yeah, yeah. because A, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. You know, just yeah. like we're talking about. But anyway, uh my grandma was telling me that, you know, your prayers do not go um unappreciated don't they don't go void they don't go unvalidated and uh, she she told me she said there and i believe my grandmother but she says every single morning i plead the blood over me and my husband over my children my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and she said there are days that they do not need that blood covering them but for those days that they don't i'm just making an investment into a bank into heaven yeah. And whenever there's times where they need that blessing and they need that blood and they need a double portion, I need that egg, a little bit extra, they're going to have it. And, yeah. you know, I want to live my life by that mentality of I may not need as much mercy today as I do tomorrow, but I don't want to live as if I don't ever need God's grace. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's some good stuff. <laughs> I'm enjoying yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Man, there's just there's so much that God has for us, and it's just so important to understand it, at least to understand the concept that, you know, God is going to take care of us, and if for we sure. just stay with him and stay focused on him, there's nothing we can do that's going to separate us. The Bible says that in Romans. It says nothing can separate us from the love of God. It talks about height, depth, every single situation. It's not going to separate us, but if we can just grasp that and says. Any choice that I make today that is towards God, God's going to receive that. It's, as long as I'm dealing with a pure heart, God's going to receive any sacrifice, any, any step of obedience that I can give him. He's going to respond to that. He's going to respond to it. So, you know, and I, I agree 100%. You know, that, that's exactly where we're, where, we're, where we're headed today. It's just talking about love. It's such a, such a presence of God in the Holy Ghost. Um, and if you don't, if you don't feel all these things that we're talking about, I know there's times that I felt that way. I know there's times that Brian's felt this way and I, I don't even know you, Brendan, but I I'm almost a hundred percent positive. You felt sometimes, you know, does God love me? Is God still there? I know that we've all felt that way. You know why? Because we're all Christians and I, I want to encourage somebody that's listening right now that if you're that way, as we speak, you're not broken. You're not backslidden. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to feel certain ways, even though everyone around you, your whole life has said, boys don't cry. Men don't have emotions. Put all that to the back burner. Spend some time with God and talk to him about how you feel. I promise you that does not go void. Get some people in your life. Please, the number one thing that I've, I've learned uh, since I've lived in Jonesboro in a ministers and training meeting is find three men in your life that you can put uh, into your life that will speak into your life, that will talk to you about these hard subjects. And, and don't be afraid to tell the truth. I mean, uh, th- that's that's the key thing is communication. I mean, there's so many things that I could have went down a much easier road if I had just communicated and talked about it. But yeah. instead, like Brian said, I put more faith in what I don't know than what I do. And I mean, if you feel that way today, I mean, do not hesitate to reach out to somebody. I mean, it's, it's not embarrassing. 
yeah, it's it, it's it's gonna it's gonna save you number one time, and number two, it's gonna save your soul. It's gonna save your eternity. And I mean, it, what's 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 worse, spending 70, 80 years on life miserable because you don't want to talk to nobody, or an eternity burning in hell? I mean, the choice is literally yours. And I, I just want to encourage somebody to to take that opportunity to um, talk to people, talk about it, open your mouth. God's giving you a voice for a purpose. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I almost think God would be ashamed of how we do church these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure He did not have in mind of church as what we're doing right now. Right, um, ashamed is not the right word, but. I mean, is, is it pleasing to God what we're doing? Are, are we, are we the I walk in at nine o'clock, make sure I'm out by 10, 15. Is that pleasing to God? Is what I'm offering, is that enough? Is, I mean, I'm just going on a rant right now, but I mean, I just want to make sure that, you know, we use our voice. I mean, we, Brian's talked about it already. You know, God loves us. God trusts us. God believes in us. Why don't we do that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if the God of universe can do that for me, why can't I do that for me? Yeah. I, I think people would be amazed at how, how common and how many fears we all have. Like pastors, ministers, evangelists, the biggest names, the lowest names. We have so many fears and so many, so many of the fears are so immature spiritually even. They're unlearned spiritually. They're, they're ignorant spiritually. Um, you know, for years, one of the fears that I had, I had so much anger and brokenness, you know, growing up and even in my teen years, I had so much of that. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the fears that I had every day, every day when I was living for God was that I would become so angry that God would not hear my prayer. I feared that for so long that I did, I, I, I messed up so many times. I, I hurt people and I was so angry and I was broken. I just feared that God would just not, you would just start ignoring my prayers, not hearing my prayers. But every single time I prayed, no matter what, God responded. Every single time, even to this day, when I pray to God, he responds. And there was that fear was never validated because that's never been doctored. God's never established that to where you can go so far that he will not respond and listen and love you. Um, go to the word. You know, go to the word. Because that's where our truth lies at. I want to give one last analogy if I can. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I was um, doing a study on um, Peter walking on the water, right? Um, there's That's such a elementary Sunday school lesson. That's there's Jonah in the whale, there's Noah in the ark, there's Peter walking on the water. Um, I mean, those are your pretty much three basic elementary um, Bible stories, right? Sure. I, but I was, I was getting ready to speak at a church in Memphis, as a matter of fact, and I was reading that story again. You know, even though I've heard this story a million times, I like to refresh. You know, I just want to try to see if something new jumps out. And, you know, we all hear how, you know, troubled waters, they think it's a ghost or Jesus is a ghost. They're all freaking out. Peter locks eyes with Jesus and Jesus bids Peter to come out on the water. I mean, everybody's kind of tuning me out right now because we all know this story. 
But what's cool is as long as Jesus's eyes and Peter's eyes are connected, there's a miracle that's happening. Yeah. And, you know, there's doubters behind them that didn't have the faith to do it. But what's the coolest, what I got out of this for the first time ever uh, when I was studying this the last time was there was a miracle happening. And the second that they disconnected eyes and Peter began to look away, he began to sink. But here's the coolest thing. This is what I learned that if we trust God and we're doing the impossible and there's a miracle going on in our life, even if we, we stutter and we fall and we, we just don't quite make it. We have put so much trust in God in that up to that point that if we fail, we're only an arm's reach from God because the Bible says he instantly pulled him up. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean that he had to run across the ocean or across the sea and pick him up and make sure everything was okay. No, he trusted God so much that he was just an arm's length away when he failed. And that's how we need to perceive God is God. I trust you. I may not be able to do everything 100%. I may fail, but I know if I fall, you will help me get back up another time. And, you know, that just jumped out to me. And that's, that's definitely how I want to live my life. Absolutely. He's close to us. Absolutely. Um, I want to tag in at one of the things Sony was just mentioning. Um, if I can, uh, Tony, no, you, you can't. Okay, well, we'll move on. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. Oh, no, no, you said I could. Okay, so <laughs> I want to say how unfair it would be for Peter to feel like a failure because he began to sink. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Because there's a verse in Job that talks about God that says he alone treads upon the waves and he alone makes the oceans as is, as of a sea of glass it is a definitional act of yahweh the ability to walk on the water he alone is able to walk on the water if peter had had this impression i began to sink therefore i'm a failure no it's not that you're a failure you sunk because you're human yeah. because you're not god Jesus didn't sink because he was God. Definitional to who definitional to who he was was his ability to calm the sea and walk upon the sea and make it as if a floor of glass. That was a definitional signature act, a revelation of who Jesus was, that he was God manifest in flesh. Peter may have started, but he failed because he was human. Yeah. And in our lives, we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We expect perfection or we have this unfair standard of what we should be. And when we come up short, we think, ah, I'm just a failure. No, 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 no. You're just human. Yeah. You're just human. You're not God. Jesus is. Let him be God and you be a human. You stay in your lane, if, if I can say kind of in modern vernacular. Let him be God and you just be his servant. Don't have this unfair, unreasonable expectations about what you should be and who you should be because you will always come up short. That shouldn't surprise you. When you get it right should surprise you. I should be more shocked when I get it right than when I fail. But the good news is when I do fail, 
He is God. And as long as I have the ability to say, Lord, save me, he will be God if I will just be his servant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I said no, Brian, because you make me look like a moron when you talk all smart like that. <laughs> well, there's, there's nothing wrong with somebody that fails when they're trying to please God. You know, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with failing when you're trying to please God. And if we can get to that mindset to where I messed up and I failed or I slipped up, but I was failing as I was trying to please God. I mean, God's going to be pleased with that. God's going to be happy about that. God's going to be like, Hey, I, I love you so much. Thank you so much. He's going to be cheering us on. I, I, I think of honestly a baby analogy. Um, you know, when you, when you have, a, when you have a little baby, you know, and that baby's trying to, you know, learn how to walk and that baby starts to walk one or two or three steps and all of a sudden it trips, it falls. That dad or that mom is not going to say, Oh, you horrible baby. You did a horrible job trying to walk. No, it's going to, it's going to pick that baby up and say, awesome. Good job. You did so great. You did so fantastic. Awesome. 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 And we're, we're God's children. He's the same way with us. He's not going to slam us when we are pursuing him. When we fall, he went to Adam and Eve. He tried to find them. And he, he still, his intention was to bring them close again, bring them back into his presence. And if we can just do that, we can learn that, that lesson that God's not this hammer God trying to pour down on us and hit us when we fail. He's not waiting for us to fail. He's just waiting for us to call on his name every time. I want to say one more thing about that, where you yeah. mentioned Adam and Eve, and it stood out to me. I thought of it a couple of times. We can get very intimidated with the idea of entering into God's presence. Yep. And they can be very intimidating. Uh, people would be like, well, you know, I'm not really sure how to enter into God's presence. I, and, and we have this idea of what God's presence should be like and what it is. I yep. want to point out that in the story of Adam and Eve, um, in chapter three of Genesis, the, the, the language of Genesis is very interesting. What happens, it says the voice of the Lord walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of God. Yeah. And then later on in the story, when God, the voice of the Lord calls out in the garden, Adam responds to it and calls it Lord, the voice of the Lord, because there is no distinction between the Lord, his presence, and his voice. So yes. what I've taken from that is if I can just hear his voice, I will automatically be in his presence because there's no distinction between his voice and his personal presence. And, and so how is it? that we can hear God's voice? Well, there's two ways. Tony mentioned the ways that God can put impressions on your heart. When God puts those impressions in your heart, you're in God's presence. Yep. If you can encounter his voice, if you can pick up the word of God and read it, it's his written voice to us. When you read the word of God, you may not have goosebumps. You may not be in tears and falling over and being slain in the spirit. But there's no distinction between God's word and himself in his personal presence. If you can encounter his voice, you will be in his presence. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. Well, guys, it's been fantastic to have you on. Thank you so much for your time uh, that you've taken to, to join us here. Uh, do you guys have any last things you'd like to say before we kind of conclude this episode here? Man, I appreciate you having us on. Uh... Me and Brian can talk for hours about stuff like this. Um, yeah. 
you know, it's just, I, I'm very grateful and thankful for, um, people that's, that's having, having conversations like we're having. Uh, it's, I think it's very, um, vital, very crucial, very important that we do yeah. uh, we talk about these things. I mean, it's, it's not always the easiest to talk about some of these things, but, um, I mean, I, I'm grateful that, you know, we're starting to have some wit about us that we're willing to talk about them. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. yes. Thank you, Brandon, for allowing us on. Um, Tony, you got my mind just running with a lot of things you brought up. Um, I'd love to have a conversation. This may be, I'm just, maybe I should say this off air. I would love to have another conversation because early on you mentioned about how you're very careful to have just any voice speak to them. I think that's crucial. And I think that that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up. I wish we actually, we had probably even gone even deeper in that because I think that's really important is, is to watch out for those voices. But I will say this, I do think we need more voices. Um, even though we had to be careful in what we hear, I think it's important to hear more voices. And what I mean by that is, I think that the stories that, that you've had asking us about, the stories that we've been telling on our podcast, I think that's what's so important is when you tell the dirty truth about what God has delivered you from. Yeah. There's someone out there that's dealing with that in the here and now that needs your testimony. So that way they know they're not the only one there. Right. There's a, there's a person that I know of that struggles with a particular sexual sin. And they had spoken to me about how they felt alone because no one ever talks about how they deal with that same temptation. So true. Because it's so dirty and so anathematized. And, and yes, it is clearly sin, scripture, and they know it's sin. There's no question about whether or not it's holy or whether or not it's sin. The question is, am I the only one dealing with it? I'd say, no, you're not the only one. It's just that everyone's afraid to tell the truth about what they're really doing. with. I hope we have a day of even greater transparency than what we currently have, because there's for every person that's out there that's dealing with something, there's someone out there that's being successful. They are overcoming it. They have a testimony and we just need to know. I'm not the only one who's living through this. I'm not the only one fighting with this. I'm not the only person that feels what I'm feeling. There is someone else. And I just hope for a day with more venues and more opportunity for people to be able to tell the truth and say, this is my walk. This is what I deal with. This is what I struggle with. And you are not alone. But if God is able to be gracious and help me, I know he can do it for you. Yeah. That's what, that's my desire. That's the whole point of the crucial conversation. That's, that's the whole point of what we do is we try and be an outlet for people to tell the truth about this is my honest walk with God. This is what he does in my life. So that way the listener knows I'm not the only one that questions. I'm not the only one that struggles. So my prayer is for more voices. We had to be careful on who the voices are. But I hope that there's greater transparency as the days come. Yeah, 300%. Like, you know, one of the first things that popped into my head was uh, that that is such a quench of the spirit. 
You know what I mean? When we refuse to allow our voice to be used in a way that can minister and bless somebody and to heal someone, we are, we are quenching the healing power of the Holy Ghost, the healing power of reconciliation. The Bible says we have the ministry of reconciliation. And the Bible literally talks about it. It's in Ephesians where it talks about um, that God destroyed the wall of partition between us. We were, we were aliens. We were not even citizens. We were not even fellow people, but he broke the wall so we could become close to him. And the only way that we could become close was to see God in humiliation, see God in his broken state to where he would submit himself unto the cross and bleed and have bloodshed and be humiliated and tortured. Why should it be any different for Christians? to have to deal with some embarrassment, have to deal with some humility to say, this is how I can become close to my brother, my sister. I saw you, know, the people that I'm closest to in my life, they're the people who have seen me at my worst. They're the people who have seen me in my situations where maybe I could have responded better. Maybe I could have had a better attitude. Maybe I could have you know, said something different or prayed a little different or worshiped different or responded different in any way. It's those people who see me in those situations, but they look past what I did and they look for the solution, look for the answer and say, what does this person need? It's like discipleship, honestly. I get so annoyed. I'll tell you what, one, one of the pet peeves. I get so aggravated when someone's teaching a Bible study and their focus, the, the person that they're teaching a Bible study to, let's say they're just on level, level three, proverbial level three. And the person teaching Bible study, let's say, all right, let's get you to level 12. Well, you're not ministering to their need. They can't even get to level four. Until right. you their need right bible says that he was moved by compassion he saw the need because he knew until their meat is their need is met they have no way to move past where they're at they have no emotional capability or spiritual capability or mental capability to move past where they're at so i think that's something that's really crucial we've talked about it touched on it really briefly a couple of times but i think that's so crucial when we're thinking of and we're praying about the voices that we allow in our lives, where that voice in our life, what is their intention? Like, what's their motivation? What are they trying to do? And why are they trying to speak into our lives? And if we can determine that factor, we can determine pretty quickly, who do we allow in our lives based on mm -hmm. what they're trying to do in our lives? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was battling with. Honestly, is, um, my dad and I had such a relationship. You know, it was a different kind of relationship. Um, you know, I was very, very close to my, I was more closer to my father uh, after I had moved away three hours than I was with him 30 feet from me. Um, you know, he, uh, he told me uh, as I was leaving, he was saying, as your father, I beg you not to go. Uh, but as your pastor, if you think you're going to grow spiritually, I, I'm encouraging you to leave. Yeah. And it, it, it's stuff like that that I'll, I'll forever hold on to. So whenever he he would say just bits of wisdom like that to me, it would um, impact me in such ways, you know. But anyway, when he passed away, those bits of wisdom went with him. And I wasn't able to feed daily on uh, you know, another reference was uh, a baby can breastfeed, um, you know, a year. And that's the absolute best possible thing for that baby is yeah. the, the, the mother's body um, reads just by just by the lips and the suck of the baby 
uh, it, it knows what it needs to produce to help that baby. If it's struggling in one aspect of its life, the mother's body just it twists its own formula to, to, to cater to the needs of that baby. That's very, very cool. And, you know, so that's, that's almost how my life was is I would go to, you know, you're going to have to get with me on this deeper level. I, I would go to my father for the breast milk out of his breast. I'd say, dad, feed me. This is what I'm needing in my life. I yeah. need you to help me fix this and encourage me to do the right thing and help me figure out what that right thing is. And, you know, his milk would enter my body and I would all of a sudden realize what he was telling me was the thing I should do. So when he passed away, that milk went with him. And so I was, I was just devastated, not only because I lost my father, but I lost that, that word. I lost that voice. I lost that passionate, uh, passionate person that wanted to see me do good. I mean, uh, my friends can tell me all day, every day, I hope you succeed, but a smile from dad is worth way more than that. Yeah. Um, and then when he passed away, I was trying to fill that voice in my life with anyone and anything that would come into my life and encourage me. Even when I didn't need encouragement, I would try to put that voice in and see that it didn't quite fit. And then I would try this other person and check for validation with them and they would validate what I was feeling, but it didn't feel right in my spirit. So I'd go to the next thing. And I, I finally came to the point in my life that I, I realized I can't replace dad's voice with just anything. I have to find that right source. I have to find that, um, that different, uh, avenue, if you will. Um, I've got to find that other thing. And, um, that's why I'm such a huge, uh, advocate of be careful for that person. Yeah. They're telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at now is I just have to be careful on what I choose to feel what was the right voice with another voice that is right. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be validated for everything I do. I, I don't. And if you do good for you, you're going to have a whole bunch of yes men in your life. Um, right. for me, I would rather have growing pains and I would rather, um, be encouraged in ways that are uncomfortable. Um, I remember, I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm very passionate about this topic. I remember whenever I was laying in bed and I would just cry and uh, I was five, six years old. I, rem I remember laying in bed, just crying and wanting my mom to just come rub my legs because I had growing pains. And it, now at the age of 30 or even at the age of 18, I was so thankful for those growing pains because you know what? I'm not four foot two no more. You know, I'm, I'm a different person now. And it's because of those growing pains that I'm a different person. And I, that's, that's how I want to stay spiritually. I want to have that spiritual mentor in my life that comes in and rubs my legs and say, you're growing. We're going to get past this together. Not 
oh, baby, I know you're hurt. I don't know what to do. I, I just know you're hurt. I don't want to hear what I know what's going on. I want you to tell me this is why we're going through that. Yeah, and okay. I mean, that's that's why you don't want just whoever, whatever speaking into your life. Um, I mean, that's that's my passion right now. And it has been for the last eight months. Yeah, I think uh, a danger um, when people are pursuing voices um, and when we're looking for that, those mentors in our life, those people that can kind of help propel us to that next level, those people that can kind of provoke us spiritually. I think a few of the dangers um, is, you know, the people that are not concerned about the timing of God. You know, it's like there's, there's of course, we need the will of God. But along with the will of God, we need, that, we need that timing. We need that timing of God that gives us a go ahead when it's the time to go ahead. Because we can be out of the will of God, doing the will of God, if we don't do it in the timing of God. And if someone's not concerned about making sure that the right steps are done and the right timing is done, and, and when it's right to release this emotion or right, right to release this type of gifting or whatever you want, whatever you can fill in the blank with that. But there's a danger in, in, in somebody not being concerned about you going through the process before getting that anointing that God has prophesied over your life or promised over your life. There's, there's a danger about getting someone in your life that will be quick to promote you and get you that authority without watching you and being okay with you going through that broken process. One of the lessons that I, I learned from my, one of my pastors growing up was uh, there was a service <clears throat> we were having powerful move of God. And, uh, I looked up in the congregation and I was like, I, I knew exactly what people were going through. Not because they told me, but you could just see spiritually and you could see so much battling going on and so much difficulty going on. And I knew in the spirit exactly what was needed. I knew how they needed to respond, what they needed to do. And I went to my pastor. I was like, Hey, you know, can we, can we say something? Maybe yeah, this is what I'm feeling. Can we, can we tell them, can we, can we give them instruction? And, you know, this is several years ago at this point, he looked at me, he says, you know, sometimes we just need to let people go through their trials and watch them go through their trials. It's one of the hardest things of ministry to watch someone be broken and not do anything about it, because sometimes those lessons they have to learn on their own. And if they don't learn them on their own, they will forever have a gap in their spiritual walk with God. They'll forever have a gap between their communication and relationship with God if they don't learn that place of loneliness and depression. And that was one of the hardest things for me to learn because, you know, I have a heart that I always want to help. Like I always want to love people. I always want to do something and help somebody, but sometimes there's not a lot we can do. Yeah. That's that. That I mean, I'm sorry, Brian. I, 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 I purposely stay paused because I, I don't want to just talk about this nonstop, but that's the thing is there's some things that you've got to battle alone, but that doesn't mean you don't have an army behind you. Absolutely. You'll never, you'll never, ever, ever, no matter what the situation, I don't care. You will never fight a battle alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, the, what was so cool when I was growing up, I wanted, uh, they made those um, recruiting videos for the military and slogans. They, they were so cool to draw in people like me that was drawn by cool media. And, um, the, the armies was were an army of one and it had a star, you know, I've always thought, you know, that is so cool. And so true that 
we might be different races. We might be different religions. Yeah, I said it. We might be different religions. We might come from different uh, backgrounds. We might be uh, all over the world, just different people. But we are fighting this fight together. And, you know, I, I get I get so sick and tired. <laughs> I better be very careful here. But I get so sick and tired of uh, battling the church across the across town. So true. God has not called us to do that. I mean, and I have been one to do it. I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody that's listening and say, uh, yeah. I, I haven't criticized some of the things that the church across town is doing because I have, but God's not called us to do that. I mean, we're all in this working together, you know, for, to build a kingdom, a better kingdom. And I mean, some of uh, the, best conversations I've had is with people outside of our faith. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, I, I'm very much so rooted in our truth and in our, and in our um, doctrine, but there's just something that I enjoy about going to work, coming back and sitting and talking one-on-one -on -one with this guy who is a devout Baptist that goes to the, that, or that I work with. Yeah. I mean, we we have a, a common purpose. Me and him both do. Now we may not see eye to eye on doctrine, but we have we both have a common purpose of spreading the gospel and showing love and building relationships. And you know, we both have that common goal. And what would it be for me to just cut him down and not listen to him whenever he might come to me someday with a, a question that that you know he's dealing with with salvation you know yeah. i mean I, that's that's that is our purpose and 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 uh christianity and our walk with god is to be um an army of one i mean that's that's so cliche god's army <laughs> you know i mean i think every youth group growing up at least was named uh god's army at least once right yeah. <laughs> but, you know but uh that's 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 uh Something that uh, we all, including myself, need to work on is, you know, just being available for people, being open for people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before I say anything, I have something I want to respond with. But, Brian, I want to hear what your what your thought is on this uh, before I before I jump in on that. Um, I guess I got a lot to say, so I'll reduce it pretty quick. Uh, Brendan, to what you were saying earlier about people teaching Bible study, you have a pet peeve. Of trying to get people on lesson on level 12 whenever they're already they're only on level two it's hard to teach a 12-week oneness of god bible study to someone that's homeless yeah because we got to understand where people are and minister to them where they are yeah i struggle with that because i want to teach what i know i want to impress yeah. people air quotes but people don't need to be impressed they need to be loved they need to be ministered to. Um, trying to think of what else has been going through my mind. Uh, you know, uh, Tony brought up a great point about who cares what the church across town does? What, what does it matter what they're doing? What does it matter what the person on the other end of the pew is doing? If Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, if he's being preached, who cares who gets the credit? Or who cares about being the one? But I think 
we get very caught up in this judgmental mindset and borderlining on Phariseeism and where we look down on each other and we're judging each other and we ignore the fact again of God's grace and love and who knows what God's doing in their life beyond what we see but based on what we see we have preconceived notions we have this idea of who God can use and who God can't use and to me I've, I've noticed I've been saying it a lot in preaching recently is the idea of Jesus being God means he can do what he wants. There's no question of that. He's omnipotent. He can do what he wants, but he can also do it wherever he wants. Yeah. Because he, he is omnipresent. He can do it anywhere. He can do anything anywhere. But what I struggle with is, that means he can also do it with anyone. Absolutely. Because I want it to be me, but he's God. I'm not, he can do anything. He can do it anywhere and he can use anyone that he wants to. The donkey of Balaam was used for a purpose. He can use anything, anywhere, anytime he wants to. A harlot is in Jesus's family tree because he can do anything anywhere with anyone that he wants to. We go through the litany of the people in scripture. Moses was a murderer. Paul was a persecutor. Isaiah preached naked. Anyone, anywhere, anytime he wants to, and he can, and God can do anything he wants with them. Yeah. Who am I to say who God can and can't use? Because I judge through a temporal, fallible lens. Because I don't know the whole story, but I think that I have the right to say God can or can't use someone based on these minor little issues, minor little issues. And and to, to think of also, to Tony's point about the idea of of division within Christianity. We all agree the apostolic truth is the truth and the life. We all would agree that without Jesus Christ, no man can see the Lord. Without holiness, no man can see the Lord. We believe Acts 2.38 is the message that is the response to the gospel. It's the only appropriate response to the gospel. When you respond in faith by obedience to repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. None of the three of us, I would believe, disagree with that. But sometimes we take, because that's our message, we use that to create division. And I think there's times where division is important. We can get into that in a moment if you want to. But just hear the principle. The things that we're facing in this culture today, when we have attacks against the church about being ignorant because we deny the science of abortion sure. or the, the, we ignore the science of homosexuality and transgenderism. And all of the Christian world is facing this attack from the outside that you're hateful, that you're bigoted, that you're ignorant. And we can't lay aside a few differences to unite on a common truth Because imagine what would happen if all of Christianity rose up with one voice that said, 
we do not compromise. Yeah. We will not compromise to this, but we're going to let the Catholics battle their battles. Then we'll let the Lutherans battle their own battle and we'll let the church of Christ battle it. And then we'll battle it on our own. And we're dividing in the dispatched parties and we're sacrificing the common good. We could advance the cause of what C.S. Lewis would call mere Christianity if we could unite on some common principles to fight back against culture. Yeah. That doesn't say we compromise our message. That doesn't say we don't compromise on what the truth is and we preach the gospel. But there are some things that we can unite on as a whole body of Christianity, I would say, and we could advance Christian principles and we could change culture and it would make our lives easier as apostolics if all of Christianity had some sort of unity in that, hey, when it comes to abortion, we stand with what the Bible says instead of abandoning one another to have their churches attacked by the government or attacked by this because it's going to get worse. And it's not just us that's going to struggle. It's everyone that calls themselves Christian. They are going to struggle. But the thing is, we can't even lay aside arguments within the apostolic church to unite with one another. Because we're still fighting battles. I mean, we're facing big issues in, in our world. We're facing the, 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 if you don't allow homosexuals to get married in your church, you lose a 501c3 status. Yeah. We're fighting big deals, big issues. And so we can almost forget the idea of uniting as a common Christian front, like Tony was saying, because we can't even unite as an apostolic front because we're still arguing on whether or not it's appropriate to wear colored shirts on Sunday night, or if it has to be a plain white shirt. We have so much disunity because we're judging one another over issues that aren't even issues. We've mm -hmm. got a friend, Tony and I, that he was invited to preach at a church, and the pastor told him he couldn't preach because his sideburn was one-eighth inch too long. Oh, boy. You wow. talk about being not far from the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, we're going to divide fellowship over one-eighth of an inch. And so forget unifying over big deals in society. We won't worry about that. Let's worry about one-eighth of an inch of issue. Yeah, when, we can't unite with a brother over one eighth of an inch. And so why are we getting beat up so much by the world? We can't we can't we can't help but judge one another. Yeah, not everyone, but it exists out there. Imagine if all of the apostolic world could unite over. Hey, you preach Acts 238. You preach the oneness of God and you preach holiness. You are my brother in Christ. Yep. You preach that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life. We may disagree over a lot of doctrinal things, but if you can help advance the message of Jesus, I, I can go with you on that. We can unite on some mere some common principles. We, we can do that. I can't go with you whenever you're preaching that Romans 10 and 9 is the only thing that matters. I can't go with you on that, but I can go with you on as long as Jesus is being proclaimed, I can, I can unite on some things, but we couldn't do that because we can't even unite with the person preaching Acts 238 right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because so, we're still, we're still fighting whether or not women can wear their hair down or they had to wear it up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We're fighting on this. 
and, and, and that's so, what I mean. That's what I meant by when if Jesus saw how we were or what Jesus' thoughts would be of our church today. Right. Yeah. This stuff does not matter. But Brian, I will say, I will concern myself with what the church is doing across town if our pastor starts preaching naked, because I might just attend the other church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go back to that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've preached a lot about it over previous sermons I've preached, and we'd have, we've been, even done a podcast about it. And a lot of what you're talking about is just honor. You know, um, there's, man. You know, if, if we had more honors and honoring our churches, and if we would honor the community that we are called to, if we are honoring the city that we're called to and the people that we're called to, not just the building that we are calling the church, our churches be so much better. There's a lot of churches out there that struggle so much to reach the community because they're so focused on their numbers and not focused on ministering to their community. They're not focused on ministering to the need of their community just because it doesn't look like the response or the solution doesn't necessarily look like how they want it to look, you know? And if we would have more honor amongst ourselves and more honor amongst with people, we could find those voices and we could even potentially be that voice that we're talking about for someone else to minister to their life and love their life. There's a scripture uh, and I think it's Matthew and there's parables of the sower parables of the kingdom that Jesus is speaking about, but he, uh, the, the, passage or the scripture that in Matthew was where Jesus is back in his homeland, essentially. And um, he's doing all these different miracles, but people rejected him. They didn't honor him. And so it said that he didn't do mighty, many mighty works because of their unbelief, because they didn't honor him. And because there wasn't honor amongst the people, there was mighty works that were not given, mighty miracles, mighty works and moves of God that were not given because there wasn't honor and love and belief and faith between churches and between people. And if we can just put that in our own world right now, how many miracles and moves of God are we missing out on? How many harvests, how many beautiful miracles of God are we missing out on because of all this judgment and contentment and, and, and just hate for one another and, and aggravation we have for one another over things that we really shouldn't be battling over. And I agree hundred percent. There are some things, some scriptural things that we need to unite on because there's power in uniting on things, especially when we unite on the word of God. And if we can unite on those things and honor is there and love is there, God can give the revelation because the Bible says that, you know, we, we put seed down, we put water down, but God gives the increase. So if we can exactly. water and increase and water and seed those churches and all the people around us and just give the good things and try to reap, try to sow the good things. God can give the increase that we have no power over. God can give the revelation of oneness to somebody that we cannot, but God can do that if we just do those principles. Yeah. Uh, it's like that verse. A lot of people will say, well, how can two work, walk together except they agree? Well, unless you agree 100% with me, then you can't walk with me. Yeah. Well, I disagree with that. I think what yeah. matters is it, it all depends on the context of where you're trying to go. Yep. Where are you heading? Yeah. How can two walk together except they agree on the destination? Absolutely. So as long as we can agree on the destination, I can find unity. Yeah. I may not walk with you on every single thing you think, but there's some things that if you're heading in this direction and I want to go there too, yeah, we can walk together because we agree. That's where we're heading. Yeah. We have a common goal. We can walk together. We can have some unity. Um. Man, you know, I think it's a. It's, we don't have to know, have the same you know, color shirt to go to the same place. Exactly. <laughs> we we are apostolic 
in preaching the oneness of God. We are apostolic in the, the honoring of the book of Acts as valid Christian doctrine. We are apostolic in power. We believe in the gifts of spirit. Where we often miss being apostolic is Paul withstood Peter to his face whenever Peter was being too judgmental of people. Yeah. And then later, Peter writes an epistle and he says, my beloved brother, Paul, it is apostolic sometimes to disagree, but not lose unity. Because mm -hmm. even though Peter was withstood to his face, he still said, my beloved brother, Paul, I wonder, could someone do the same to us? Could someone withstand us in the face and say, hey, this is something I think you can work on. Yeah. And we still have public unity, even though we have this private confrontation or this private issue where we hammered some things out. Paul was standing Peter to his face, but then the public, we still have unity and not everybody's got to know we had a big issue. I wonder if we're apostolic in that, in that we can maintain unity even if we don't agree on 100% of everything, because Absolutely. we're not always going to agree, but it doesn't mean that I should damn and condemn Brendan and Tony, because uh, I believe it's John Carroll. He heard from someone else, but I'll give him credit for it. He told Tony and I, either in our podcast or somewhere different, he said, you don't have to be my twin to be my brother. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to be my twin to be my brother. Just because we can, we can have Christian disagreement and still be brothers. It's possible. Yeah. But, but see, there's, there's, a, there's this, um, the, the verse where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. What, yeah. What's powerful about that to me is it's not blessed are the people that just, um, I, I can't think of what the appropriate word is. I'll, I'll just say it like this. Being a peacemaker means you make peace where there's not peace. Yeah. It isn't that it's not just blessed are the peace inhabitants. It's the peacemakers. Yeah. Peace only comes when you make it, which means it has to be intentional. There's some peace that has to be made, not just inhabited. And blessed are the people that can make peace. And, and I think sometimes we lack in that ability to make peace yeah. because we like confrontation. We like self-validation because as long as I can convince myself I'm a little bit better than Brendan, right. then I'm okay. And it all kind of goes back to this idea that we don't even think rightly about ourselves. And, and I think there's a verse the first commandment. What's the, what's the first and greatest commandment? Love thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul. And what's the second? Love your love one another. As, as you love yourself. Yeah. Because I can't love me, I can't love you. Because I to have to fulfill the second commandment, I have to love you, Brendan, as I love myself. What happens if I don't love myself? Yep. If I hate myself, then I'm going to have that same emotion about me, about you. 
The first commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and spirit. The second is likened to this. You love your brother as you love yourself. If you can't love you, then you can't love your brother. Mm -hmm. And you fail in the second commandment. Absolutely. I think of Ananias. You know, he was a, he was a great example of how we should approach souls and people in general. You know, God told him to reach after a man, Saul, that persecuted the church and was a hateful man. And Ananias is like, I've heard of that guy. I don't want to go over there. And God says, no, I have a plan for him. So it goes over to Paul, or Saul at the time. He says, you know, he, he, he has, uh, his scales fall off his eyes. He gets the Holy Ghost. He gets baptized. And Ananias says, he says, brother Paul. Ananias calls him brother Paul after knowing all those bad things he did because he was commanded by God of those commandments. He says, brother Paul, like you don't see that very often in the church nowadays to where we're doing that to people in and out of church to where we're calling them brother or sister. We're calling them family. We're treating them as family or as ourselves. We're not treating them in a way that puts them in a place of honor and, and love and care. We're not doing that. We're, we're making people earn love when the Bible says that he loved us. So that's why we love him. And it's complete backwards theology to make people earn love when we didn't earn a thing. When God yeah. gave mercy and grace, it's backwards, bad, even honestly, satanic thinking to think that people need to earn love. How would dare us think that way? But we act that way all the time. Yeah. Uh, and to your point. He's called brother before he's even saved. Yep. It's like TF Tenney says, I'll call a person brother. If I miss him in Christ, I'll hit him in Adam. Yeah. We're, we're, we're brothers. Absolutely. Whether it's in Christ or it's in Adam. <laughs> we're missing that big time in the church. No. And that's something that I think, uh, no, I don't think I, I know that if we want to, when we get this, this greatest revival, greatest harvest that's coming, that's where it's going to come from. It's going to come through a, a burdened, broken love for souls, love for people, love for who they are. And honestly, it's, it's a topic that not a lot of people talk about, but you know, you got to think about it in terms of, you know, homosexuality, for example, the church and a lot of people do not do a very good job at approaching people who are homosexual. And they're so quick to point out you're sinning. No, you're messed up. You're sinning but they don't take into account that's the lifestyle that they've chosen. They don't respect the person's choices. And I'm not condoning it by any means, but we still have to approach every person and every sin with love for that person and find a way to say, you know what? You don't need Jesus because you're homosexual. You need Jesus because you need Jesus. You need Jesus because we all need a savior and we're all in a sinful state. We're all human. We need Jesus because we need him, not because such and such and such and such. And it's just our approach to reaching people sometimes is so misguided in how we approach them. And yeah. it turns people off so quick. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you, you mentioned like with homosexuality and, and some of the things we've kind of tagged into about like unfair expectation and things like that. Um, yeah. I think that a, a lot of people, uh, you know, I believe God can absolutely deliver someone from the spirit of homosexuality, yeah. sexuality, no question at all. Yeah. I don't know if he'll do it in every case. Yeah. Because true. there may be some people that struggle with that their entire life. Yep. It may happen. But that doesn't mean just because they 
are tempted by it, it doesn't mean that they are sinners. Right. Just because they experience the temptation. And they can have, they can live with no sense of victory and no sense of deliverance if the goal is to become heterosexual. Again, yeah. I believe 100% God can deliver and God can change a nature. If he doesn't, though, you can still have victory and deliverance, but your goal has to be different because the goal of the homosexual is the same goal as me as the heterosexual. Yeah, We have the exact same goal. We should. Often the goal is presented to be heterosexual. I submit to you, that's not sufficient. Yeah, I agree. Because there are plenty of people that are heterosexual that also are tempted by ungodly sexuality, mm -hmm. sex outside of marriage, pornography, the list goes on and on. The goal isn't to just become heterosexual because it has its own set of sins within it. The goal is to become holy sexual. Yeah. That regardless of what you are tempted by, your sexuality honors Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So our focus needs to be right. We had to have the right focus on what, see, my goal every day isn't to wake up and be heterosexual. That, that's easy. Yeah. That comes natural to me. What comes unnatural to me is to only have sexual desire for my wife. That's hard. Right. And so I have to submit that I, I had to have to submit that part of my life to the Lord Jesus, Lordship of Jesus Christ every day, not just so I can be heterosexual. Again, that that's done. Yeah. So I can become holy sexual. That I have a sexuality that honors God in all ways and in all things. That's the struggle that we have. And so just because you're tempted by something different than me doesn't mean we don't have the same goal. The goal is to get to heaven. The goal is to experience Jesus. The goal is to be holy in all things. That's the goal. The goal is not to just stop temptation. The goal is to honor Jesus Christ. Yeah. And how you do that may change. The way that I honor Jesus may be different. And, and you can relate that to almost everything in our life. That sometimes we have this goal of, because that we, we think that the goal needs to be, quote, unquote, we need to become, quote, unquote, normal. Right. Our goal as Christians is to become saved, to become holy. Absolutely. Bible says be angry and sin not. It's okay to be tempted. Yeah. We're going to be tempted. We're going to see things. We're going to think about things that are not holy. But it's what we do with that is what determines everything. It's just like with the gift and the talents. What you do with the talent that God has given you, that's what really matters. What you do with the things that you deal with and you struggle with and you face in your life, that's what matters. It's the same thing with, with, with our lives in general. You know, there's a lot of things that we can all talk about that we've done in our past or experienced in our past. But ultimately, it's done. That's, that is the past. All that matters is what we do now, what we say now, what we think now, because that determines our future. That determines our salvation based on if we are pursuing a life that God honors and that's ordained by God, you know, and it's, it's, it's so good, man. It's, it's been so good with you guys. I love the time that we've been able to, to share um, to the people who are out there listening, make sure to share with this to somebody that you think would benefit from it. Somebody may be battling with depression. Maybe someone needs encouragement. You know, someone that you just love, send it out of love. 
And uh, I'm sure you, everybody would be blessed by it. You know, I know that we've uh, had a great time with the Holy Ghost today. And thank you so and much. And if you don't like us, send it to your enemies. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been such a great time. Thank you so much, guys. Hope everyone has a great rest of your week. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at Sustaining Life Podcast today. We pray that this time has blessed you. Be sure to check the show notes. It will tell you how to contact us. Whether you want prayer or you want to share something exciting with us or you just want to connect, check it out. We'll love for you to follow us at Sustaining Life Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Join us throughout the week for more Sustaining Life.